my identity was my career. You know, it wasn't my family, it wasn't my children, it wasn't my wife, it was my career first, and then they were just kind of secondary. <laughs> Welcome to Stories of Recovery, a podcast from our addiction treatment centers in Atlanta. I'm your host, Matt Shedd. In this episode, we're going to hear from Mar alum, Sam M., about how his spiritual awakening came as a direct result of ego deflation that he experienced here in treatment and through working the 12 steps. We'll also hear a little bit from his wife, Lori M., before spending our whole next episode focusing on her experience and family week at our program. These are going to be a great couple of episodes to really see how the disease of addiction affects the entire family and how recovery can also be a family affair. All right, but first, let's focus on Sam. Here he is. So actually what had happened is uh, my wife and I, yeah, so we, we had a boat that was kind of our second home uh, at the marina. And I was there and then I went home that evening and, um, you know, my wife and I got into a little argument. I was like, the heck with it. You know, I'm going to go stay on the boat. So, of course, stopped by the gas station and, you know, picked up my, my favorite little, uh, you know, crappy little four pack of wine that I could just slam real quick. And, um, you know, I had one of them at the gas station and I was coming down the road and, uh, you know, they had just installed these uh, rumble strips in front of the gate at the marina. And so when I swerved around them, I was pulled over. Uh, and so, yes, I was arrested for DUI and yes, and I had had you know, an episode, uh, I believe it was four or five days before that. So my wife and I, we went with my senior partner, one of the other partners in my company, we had went on, gone on this car rally up in North Carolina. And I just remember on the ride home, my wife telling me, she's like, I just feel like you're, you're not going to stop until something, until you're forced to stop. <laughs> um, and that's kind of when I got sober the last time in 2017 was the result of a DUI as well. Um, but you know, I managed to stay sober for almost three years, uh, after that, you know, two of them working a program and, you know, just the last year white knuckling it and, you know, not realizing how bad I was getting spiritually, emotionally. And I just never, I couldn't see it. Everybody around me could see it even before I picked up. Uh, I just couldn't see it. Probably, you know, for the next seven days, my drinking was at its worst of my entire life. I mean, I just, I could not stop. Um, so that following Thursday, I had actually called my wife. I was on my way into the office and just completely broken. And, uh, you know, I just told her, I said, I need to go somewhere. Sam initially went to a shorter program than Mar, but the people in his life decided that he needed more time to get the help that he needed. Seven days uh, prior to uh, my discharge date, I thought was going to be my last meeting with my therapist. And, you know, when I went in there, she said, you need to call your senior partner. And, you know, I called my senior partner and, you know, there was eight partners in total. And he said, uh, you know, we've all gotten together and we decided you're going to Mar for 98 days. And, you know, of course, you know, in my mind, it was, there's absolutely no way. I mean, there's absolutely no way I can do it. So I, I called my wife and I told her, We're just, I'm selling everything. I don't have it in me. I'm not doing it. There's absolutely no way. Um, thankfully, she had a much better head on her shoulders and she talked me off the ledge. And, you know, and we kind of talked through things and, you know, and then it was, you know, it was inevitable. Like, you know, I mean, it was it was laid out for me, like, you know, you're going there or you're not coming back here. Here's Sam's wife, Lori on how she was introduced to Mar 
and how she came to believe it was the best place for Sam. Yes, actually, I wasn't aware of more at the time. Um, it actually was just where I was in my headspace. Um, he was at a point in his life where, you know, threatening suicide and, and taking it to those levels to where um, I needed help at that point. I, I just, I was at my end. Um, and I knew some good friends of ours that had been in recovery and had a lot of experience with that. And even though I know that relationship he had with them, he told me if I ever did that, it would not be a good thing for us. So it was a very, very hard choice for me, but I knew it was the right choice. And um, I called them and said that Sam really needs some help and I don't know how to do it by myself. So um, three of them ended up showing up at the house and having maybe like a little intervention. I guess it was about six hours, honestly. And one of the gentlemen that came had previously been at Mar. Um, so I'm sure he tried to speak to him some about that. I wasn't in the room, uh, specifically, but he did come out and talk to myself and my kids about his experience at Mar. And if we can get him to go in that direction, it will be the best thing ever for him. So of course I was all for it, but I didn't know how that was going to happen. So, but it did obviously, um, not easily. I don't think he was thinking he needed to go. So I, the one thing I did ask, which I know is not normal, is I needed to go home to get some of my affairs in order. Because again, you know, I I left and not in a good state. Um, you know, I was I kind of went out with a bang when I got here. I mean, I was in a in a pretty good state of mind. It was you know I'd come to grips, and you know, again, this is maybe just some of my ego getting in the way too. It was like. You know, we I kind of viewed it in the way I presented it to my wife is I'm like, you know, a lot of these people in the military, they get deployed for months on end, you know, so it's just kind of I won't be around for a few months. And, you know, so, you know, from that aspect, it was, you know, I was in a good state of mind, but still somewhat didn't think, you know, in my mind, I didn't need it. You know, once I realized it was inevitable, it's like, okay, you know, and it was just more okay, I'm going to go here and go through the motions and, you know, and see what I can get out of it. Um, you know, and it was just all, it was all my ego getting in the way. Looking back on it now, Sam sees his first day at Mar as giving him the ego check that he needed for him to accept the help that was being offered. It was just after lunchtime uh, or right around lunchtime when I arrived. Uh, I remember I met Jordan in the front lobby and we kind of got my things and it was you know, then we kind of had to go back and see medical um, and do that. And I just remember when I was back there, you know, then all of a sudden I was like panic stricken, like I've got to see my wife one more time, you know, before I go. Uh, you know, he's like, okay, calm, you know, calm down. You will be able to. And, um, you know, and, you know, sure enough, I was able to, you know, at least say goodbye to her. And they kind of rushed me over uh, to the apartments so I could be there for community. So that Monday would count as a day. So I didn't lose a whole nother week before I, could submit my contract to get off body and phone privileges and things like that. Um, but again, you know, with my ego, I knew that, you know, I was going to be in the professionals program. And I just remember when we pulled up, you know, my residential manager, Jordan, you know, I'd called up to the apartment and, 
said, hey, can you come down and help Sam with two bags? And these two young kids come down. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, whoa, I think we're at the wrong place. <laughs> I think I'm supposed to be somewhere different. <laughs> I was supposed to be in with the doctors and lawyers and pilots. And um, so again, it's just, I mean, you know, I just, I needed so much deflation of my ego when I got here. Um, and it took a while. As someone who runs capital markets for residential lender, Sam expected to be placed in treatment solely with people at his income level and his professional accomplishments. However, at MAR, we don't separate professionals from anyone else. So someone like Sam will be living and going to groups with people of all backgrounds, sometimes even younger people who don't have a career yet. This provides an important leveling effect, reinforcing that no one is exempt from addiction and that all need to be practicing the fundamentals of recovery. I just remember being in one of the groups and, you know, even for, you know, the first couple of weeks or maybe even four or five weeks, I don't remember exactly when I was here. It's, you know, I always felt like I needed to, you know, if I was asked a question, I had to have an answer. And I just remember one of the groups, I believe it was Matt Irwin's group and it might've been ARP. And, you know, he asked me a very pointed question and I just looked at him and said, I don't know. And he was like, that's the best answer you've had since you've been here. And, you know, for me, that's, you know, that's my, some of my ego deflation, you know, understanding that it's okay to not know. And I was only a couple of weeks in, and one of the turning points was, I think it was when I was doing my introduction in, uh, in ARP, um, and it was a Saturday morning, and, you know, I just, I focused, when I would do my introduction, I focused so much on, I had this much time, I had this, I've done this, you know, instead of the real reason why I was here. Um, and I got some, some pretty aggressive feedback in that group. Pretty much it was, you know, it was about my ego and that I'm scared for you. Like, you know, you're in trouble. You know, that was, that was basically the gist of it is that, you know, if, that, if that's your mindset, you're in trouble. You know, it was even mentioned to me after my life story that, you know, I felt like I just listened to a glamorous resume. I wanted to be everybody's best friend and, you know, never and never really spoke my true feelings because I didn't know how to present them properly. So I could never, you know, I could never talk about how I really felt about a situation because it was always, I would come across very defensive all the time. You know, why did they hate me so much? <laughs> you know, I just felt, you know, I just felt defeated. Like, and, uh, and afterwards, one of the alumni, he came up to me and he had introduced me to the set aside prayer, which I was not familiar with. Um, and I used that in my morning prayer every day. You know, in a nutshell, it's, you know, please allow me to forget everything I think I know about myself, this, is, this disease, and you, God. You know, please help me to see the truth. I think I was much quieter for the next week or so and just kind of, you know, taking things in. Because, um, again, it was, it was, I thought I knew everything I needed to do, and little did I know, I knew nothing. And that was a better place for me to start. You know, it's just so interesting, you know, how my perception of everything started to shift. Like, you know, as I mentioned, you know, where I was and, you know, when they, when I first got here and who my roommates were going to be and who I thought they should have been versus how much I was able to learn from everybody. Um, you know, and for me it was, you know, and I just remember even, you know, at my phase one review, that was probably the biggest turning point for me um, because I did. I got some pretty, pretty tough news 
right around four weeks in because I came in, uh, I believe it was July 26th, and a whole bunch of stuff happened all in one day. I had gotten a letter, you know, from my mother about, you know, my cousin having had surgery, my mother having surgery, and then, you know, for me kind of that day that, you know, and then that happened and the icing on the cake was, you know, a letter from my wife, how my daughter's uh, team manager for the high school football team uh, at that time, she has since graduated. And I just remember my wife, you know, writing in one of her letters saying, you know, it was homecoming and, you know, I've got another son uh, as well that's two years older than my daughter. And, you know, he had stepped up and said that he would walk her out on the field. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, so then uh, it was all within 24 hours. And I just remember being in group. Matthew Reese had walked in, and he's like, you know, how you doing this morning? I'm like, I'm good, just like every other day. And he looked at me and said, no, you're not. <laughs> this counts as the uncanny ability to read right through you. Um, and then I wound up having, you know, just, I just that was probably – one of the bigger turning points, uh, you know, of my, my stay here at Mar, um, you know, that was when I was really just able to just open up and break down. And I mean, I just remember, you know, having one-on-ones with almost every counselor in here that day between that. And then honestly, my phase review, because even when I did my contract, it was, you know, to, you know, journal more study, you know, recovery material and, you know, and I just remember even, you know, I'm the type of person that, you know, if I forgot the journal and I woke up at three o'clock in the morning and realized I forgot the journal, then I'll have to get up and journal because it's not okay because then everything has to be very sequential. And, or if I did miss that day, then I have to go and, you know, remember what everything that happened that day and still journal for that day, even though it was in the past now, um, just so it could stay sequential. And, you know, that was when, I just remember at my phase review, um, you know, Matt Irwin looked at me and he's like, you just need to stop trying so damn hard. That was, for the next week, it was like a weight lifted off my shoulder. I mean, I just remember even counselors and community members, they're just looking at me, they're making comments like, you seem like a completely different person. And I don't know what it was that just that one comment, just stop trying so damn hard. And that's what, it, that's what it took for me, really. As Sam said, his struggles with alcoholism were at least in part tied to putting his career over everything else, including his family, something that came into sharp, painful focus through all the things that he missed while in treatment here at Mar. Thankfully, though, Mar places particular importance on family recovery. And during his family week visits, Sam heard some important truths from his kids. My wife, and at the time, my son was 19 and my daughter was 16, uh, Nick and Morgan, and they were both, uh, they both came, all, all three of them came to Family Week. You know, I think that's the first time, you know, as harsh as some of the feedback from my, especially my children were. I mean, I had heard it from my wife a million times. You know, I was always going to fix it, and I was never able to. Um, but I think that was the first time that my kids actually felt safe to tell me exactly the damage I did. When Sam got out of treatment, he returned to his family and his old job, and he had to once again face the reality that life had gone on without him. His ego had to return to a level of equilibrium. People wanted and needed him to be in their lives, but he wasn't going to be the center of everything. 
life had gone on and I wasn't there. Uh, so, you know, it was a, I don't want to say walking on eggshells, but there was definitely a, took a little bit to reintegrate, um, you know, to really feel comfortable and feel at home, you know, how to think about, you know, things, you know, proper things to say and, you know, just, and it, that wasn't the reality. I didn't have to, but that was kind of my mindset. You know, it's just, I don't know, it's just a certain sense of uncomfortability uh, where, you know, we had been together for, what, 22 years at the time. And, you know, my wife and I and my kids were 19 and, yeah, 19 and 17. You know, but I feel, felt almost like I had to get to know him again. So did you get to know him again? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, thing, life is, you know, I mean, as Doug would say, life is better than I deserve right now. (laughs) (laughs) And here's Sam's wife, Lori talking about what it was like welcoming Sam back into the house after treatment. I don't think anybody was reluctant or scared at that point. Um, I feel blessed, honestly, when he, that he spent some time away and we were able to work on ourselves at the same time. Um, Because, you know, I have a lot of other friends and scenarios where that's not the case. You know, they're living with the disease and still having to go home to it and work through it. So I always say that I think both him and I are blessed that we got that time away to work on ourselves that made it easier when we were back together. Um, you know, because also trust takes time and just that time away that helped build that trust up. Um, so it was... It was easy. It was an easy transition, honestly. Um, and I know that's kind of hard to believe, but probably wouldn't have been had I not been working on myself. You know, I probably would have had the same trust issues and just the minute he walked in the door, start questioning something. You know, mm-hmm. but it's not where I was. So, I mean, you know, my recovery right now looks like. I mean. I'm at my home group four days a week. Um, I am, ever since I've left, I've, you know, there's been a couple of weeks if I've been traveling or something, but I attend two groups every Tuesday night at Mar, every Saturday morning at Mar. Um, currently, I've got three sponsees that I work with and I work, meet with my sponsor, uh, typically at least once a week, uh, whether it's just to have dinner or something. And, you know, and I went back when I was in between treatment centers, I knew the meeting that my sponsor would go to versus calling him. I showed up at that meeting, um, you know, with my kind of my tail between my legs and asked him to take me back, like going back to an old girlfriend. (laughs) Um, And we just, we've have uh, just an incredible relationship. We're very close. Um, You know, it turns out that his wife and my wife have become very close and we do a lot of things together. My wife is pretty heavy into her program as well. you know, so, and there's a lot of crossover from her home group to my home group with spouses and boyfriends. And so we do, as groups, we do a lot of things together. I mean, probably 80 to 90% of what I do nowadays is with people in recovery. I did not come here expecting to, you know, be able to learn how to have feelings and be vulnerable and change my entire perception on life. Um, that's when not, those were not the intentions. You know, I've always kind of been someone to, you know, put other people before myself. But the reality is, you know, in the back of my mind, I still wanted that thank you or, 
You know what I mean? So I had to be very cognizant of, you know, why am I really doing this? You know, to make sure it's not just for myself. Of course, you know, you're going to get some satisfaction out of it. But, you know, it's, it, there's a fine line in there as well. I've learned how to be grateful for things. And, you know, I mean, and, you know, there's been times and, and it was actually, I think it was right on my psychosocial. Like when I, before I went back out and I had not realized it, I was still sober, but I wasn't working a program. Um, you know, my life just became check boxes. Just achievement, check, 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 no gratitude, nothing. Um, just let's move on. Let's move on to the next thing. Um, so, you know, be able to be grateful just to spend time with my family instead of, you know, being grateful or, you know, the thought of, you know, having to continue to provide more, you know, to have to be able to be grateful. All right, that's it for this episode of Stories of Recovery. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Matt Shedd. Our executive producer is David Tate. If you want to reach us, you can email us at podcast at marinc.org. That's podcast at M-A-R-R-I-N-C dot O-R-G. We'd love to hear from you. Once again, thank you so much for joining us. We're already looking forward to next time.